Hey, this is Pastor Jeff Workmeister of Elevate Church, and welcome to our podcast. I want to thank you for listening today. I hope this inspires you, encourages you, and builds your faith. Enjoy the podcast. Hey, we're starting a brand new series, super excited about, called Desperate. Look at your neighbor and say desperate, okay? Say desperate. Anybody ever been desperate before? I was desperate the other night. I had to go to the hospital super late, and um, I didn't have the opportunity. Luke had practice that night, and I didn't have the opportunity to eat that night. And so, you know, it's probably 11.30, 11.45, and I am hungry. I'm desperate for some food. And so I'm thinking to myself, what could be open? And I thought to myself, you know what's open? Waffle House, Waffle, can I get an amen? Listen, I will go to Waffle House any day, okay? I love that place, okay? So I find a Waffle House on my my maps, and man, I'll pull up to Waffle House, and guess what? It's closed! It's supposed to be 24 hours! What is wrong with our world today? And then, like a like a shooting star, a comet in the night, out of the corner of my eye, illuminates a Taco Bell sign. And I ask myself, am I desperate enough to eat Taco Bell right now? And I said, yes, I am. Got me a steak quesadilla. Listen, I, it was like I was 16 years old. Steak quesadilla, two soft shell tacos, the, the chips with cheese, uh, cinnamon twist, and then do you guys know the Baja Freeze? The free, ooh. That'll get you saved right there, okay? I mean, I'm pounding this thing like I'm 16 years old. It's like 12, 15 at night. And I thought, man, I've made a great decision for my life right now, okay? Got home, went to bed. And at about 4 a.m., I woke up and realized I did not made a great decision. Can I get an amen from anybody that knows what I'm talking about? So... So we're gonna talk in this series about how not to make desperate choices in life. Listen, we talked last week, God has a great dream for your life. God has great plans for this year. And we wanna see you live those plans out. We wanna see you fulfill the destiny that God has for you. But we have to learn not to make choices out of desperation. Can I get an amen from anybody, okay? So come on, let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for the Word of God. We value the Word of God. Lord, we ask that by the power of the Holy Spirit that you would lead us and that you would grow us today, that we would become more like Jesus. We love you. We thank you for today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen, amen. Give it up for the worship team this morning. All right, let me give you a definition of desperate. It says this, a feeling invoking a hopeless sense that the situation is so bad that it's almost impossible to deal with. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You've had moments, you're like, this feels impossible. It also says this, a desperate person is a person that needs or wants something badly, okay? Badly, okay? So, if you 
we're using the word desperate out here in these streets, okay? Because I'm a man of streets, if you didn't know, okay? You, you would say it this way. She be thirsty, okay? Look at your name and say, she be thirsty. She be, she be thirsty. She's showing the whole meal. You know there's some ladies out there. Man, they be showing the whole meal, okay? They're just being real up in church today, right? Leave a little bit for the imagination, okay? Or you could be saying they, they, they're eager, right? They're eager, right? They're like an eager beaver, right, okay? They're, they're out here in these streets doing anything to be noticed. Right? You know somebody on social media, you thinking about them right now, you're like, yeah, they'll do anything, they'll say anything, they want to be noticed up in these streets. Okay, write, write this down. Anytime you make a choice, a decision, a move, a play, a plan out of desperation, you are no longer in line with God's best for your life. Anytime we make a decision, a choice, a plan, out of a state of desperation, we're no longer lining up with what God's best is for our life. If we're gonna live out the dreams that God has for us in 23, and, 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 I, and I said 23 for a reason because I think sometimes we think of dreams and we think of, you know, like five year, 10 year, you know, way down the line. I, I believe that God has dreams for you this year, okay? This season, okay? And I wanna fulfill the dreams that God has for me in this season in time. I think sometimes we can just get so wrapped up in looking ahead that we don't focus on what's in front of us. What's, what do we have right now? And God has great dreams. He has dreams to bless you, favor, give you fresh ideas, new plans from heaven. Anybody go, yeah, I want that in my life. I want God's blessing, I want God's favor. I want new ideas, new plans, heavenly thoughts this year. Well, if we're gonna have that, we're gonna have to learn not to move out of a thirsty, eager, desperate moment where we go, I wanna be seen, I wanna be known, I wanna have my emotions filled. We have to walk in God's plan that he's setting up for us. So go with me, okay, to 2 Samuel. Okay, if you got a Bible, go with me to 2 Samuel. Chapter 11, verse one. Says this, in the spring, of the year when the kings normally went to war, David sent Jacob and the Israelite army to fight the Amorites and destroy the army, lay siege to the city of Rahab. However, David stayed behind in Jerusalem. Point number one today is this. Tired and desperate go hand in hand. Tired and desperate are always linked together. Verse one, in the spring of the year, when the kings normally went to war, David stayed behind. Why? I have to believe the answer is because David was tired. And the reason we know that David is tired is because we can look back at previous chapters before chapter 11, like chapter five and verse six, when it says David led his men to Jerusalem to fight against the Jebedites. Verse 17, it says this, when the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king of Israel, they mobilized all their forces to capture him because they hated David. But David was told they were coming, so he went right into what? Right into the stronghold. He said, I'm not waiting for them, I'm going to fight them. He went into the battle. Chapter eight, 
Talks about David defeating the Philistines, capturing towns, capturing the land of Moab. Verse four and five talks about David capturing a thousand chariots, 20,000 foot soldiers, and that David killed 22,000 of them. This is like the movie 300. So by the time we get to chapter 11, I think we see a tired king. And instead of going to the battlefield, David's where? David, David's staying home. Why? Because I believe David's tired. But let's ask this question. Why is King David on the battlefield? Right? I mean, like God knows that we would never see an American president on a battlefield. Why in the world is David there? Let me give you two reasons. Number one, David was anointed by God to lead the people to victory. He was anointed as a warrior. He was anointed to take back what the enemy had stolen. He was anointed to capture the land. He was anointed for this, okay? And number two is this, David is a good leader. David's a good leader. So let me speak to these two things, okay? The first one is this, okay? Just as David was anointed to lead the people to victory, you are also anointed with gifts, talents, and abilities that God wants to use right now for his kingdom. Not later, right now. You're anointed. You're, you have been chosen just like David. And here's the deal. When you don't own and live out God's purpose for your life, the people around you will never find victory. They was called to lead the people to victory, to show them what victory looked like. We see David as a young man, the whole nation is terrified of Goliath. The whole nation is terrified of this giant. The whole nation is terrified, living in fear, worry, and anxiety about the Philistine army. But here is David, a young man of God who has spent time with God, who had been in the fields with God, who had seen the power of God, who knew God, and he came and he said, guess what, I'll fight the giant. I'll defeat him by, not my power, but by the power of God. David faced the giants, defeated the giants. And here's the deal. When you don't face your giants in your life, when you don't own what God is trying to do, when you don't manage well what's happening, what God's doing in your soul, you'll never learn to overcome See, this world is called to see the power of God move through you as you overcome in this life. And if they don't see the power of God, if they don't see you live in victory, why in the world would they ever want what you have? David faced it. We've got a whole generation that runs, hides, and can, I, I'm going to say something, and it, it may come off super rude. It may come off like I'm, I'm trying to offend you. I'm not. But I, we have a whole generation that's hiding behind labels and names and, and, and things that doctors are telling us about. Yeah. There's, a, there's a label and a name out there for everything. 
and we find our label and our name and we decide that we're a victim and we hide behind those labels and those names instead of facing it. God hasn't called us to be a church. God's called the church to rise up, the church to shine brightly, the church to go, you know, by the power of God and his strength in the Holy Spirit, I learned to overcome, just as David did. David was called to lead. The second thing was that David was a great leader because David led from the front. Great leaders lead from the front. David never asked his men to do something that he wasn't willing to do himself. And I believe great leaders do that. That's why I will never ask you to give unless I do it myself. If I'm gonna ask you to give, I'm gonna ask you to trust the Lord financially, I'm gonna do it myself. I'm never gonna ask you to serve unless I do it myself. I'm never gonna ask you to lead a group unless I do it myself. I'm never gonna ask the staff to hang Christmas lights unless I'm up there hanging Christmas lights. I'm never going to ask you to seek the heart of God unless I'm seeking the heart of God. Great leaders lead from the front and say, come follow me. This is David. He's leading from the front. And can I just, for a moment, can I just speak to all the parents? I know we have a lot of parents in the house. Okay? I want to speak to parents. I want to speak to grandparents. I want to speak to future parents. I want you to know this. Do not believe that your kids will love Jesus, be worshipers of Jesus, be overcomers, walk in faith, love God's word, be great leaders in the end days, you know, know how to have fun outside of drinking and substance unless you show them first. Lead from the front. They will be, wor- you know why I'm a worshiper? I'll tell you why I'm a worshiper. I watched my grandparents worship every Sunday. I watched it, I stood by them. Every Sunday, they worshiped the Lord with all that they had. And then guess what would happen later in the week? I would hear my grandparents having moments in the house where they would just speak the name of Jesus. They would worship the name of Jesus. They would call on the name of Jesus. I watched my grandparents pray. I watched my grandparents give. I watched my grandfather when he was had, he had cancer and it was ravishing his body, but the church needed new cabinets, so he personally designed and fabricated new cabinets and went and installed them at the church when he was sick as a dog. I watched them put Jesus first. And because I watched that, it grew a passion in me to serve the Lord as they did. Leaders lead from the front. So remember, David has what? He's been at battle. He's been leading from the front. So by the time we get to chapter 11, David is weary from battle. I'll never, never forget my brother um, came to my office one day, it's many, many, many years ago. And I was very young in ministry and said, hey, I'm, I'm gonna go into the military. Came from a poor family, he wanted to go to college. And uh, I said, you know if you do this, you're gonna go right into, into battle. He said, yeah, I know. So he signs up, he goes to boot camp, and a week after boot camp, he went to Iraq. He was on the surge 
that initially went into Iraq, and he was there for 12 months. And I remember I got a call, and he said, hey, um, uh, I, I have a little break. I got two weeks off. I'm going to come see you. And so he came, and we hung out for two weeks. And then after two weeks, uh, instead of going back to Iraq, he went to Afghanistan. And he went to Afghanistan, and he was there for a year. And then I got a call, and he said, hey, I'm going to come home for two weeks. And so he came home, and we went to the Bears game, and we spent all of his bonus money and had a good time. And, and then two weeks after that, he went right back to Afghanistan. Three years, battle after battle after battle. And I'll never forget the Holy Spirit when I knew he was really going to come home and stay home. Holy Spirit said, he is tired and he is weary and he needs you. So David, David, I'm sure, is emotionally, physically, mentally tired. He's been battling. And now if we put ourselves in the story, we would all go, you know what, I'm tired also. I've been battling. And maybe you haven't been on the battlefield, but you've been on the battlefield of life. And you've been battling things like your kid's school, you know? You're, you're fighting, you know, tooth and nail to make sure that the garbage of this world doesn't get infiltrated into your kids' minds and hearts, and you're fighting with perspectives, and you're fighting with the school, and maybe, maybe you're having battles with your spouse. You want them to grow. You want them to change. You want them to understand. You want them to lead. Maybe you're having battles, you know, getting in shape, and you're just at the point where you're like, what's the point? I never, I never, never make it. Maybe you're having battles with loss, and family, and friends, and miscarriages, and you're heartbroken. Maybe you're having battles on the job front with your career and your finances and there's overdue bills and you can't get ahead and you, you got let go of your job. Maybe you have battles with your ex and you think your ex's sole purpose is to make your life hell. Maybe you're having battles from mistakes from past where you're trying to navigate and say, that's not my any longer. Maybe you're having battles with emotions. Maybe you're having battles with addictions and porn and you're taking one step forward and three steps back. Maybe Maybe you're having battles with fear and depression and anxiety to the point where you lay in bed at night and you physically shake. And you may be thinking, it's like you're talking to me today. How did you know what I'm dealing with? Well, everything I just mentioned are battles that I've had over the last 42 years of my life. And we're tired, and we're weary, and we're drained. And David, because he's tired, and he's thirsty, and he's desperate, is about to make a really bad decision. Verse two, late one afternoon, after his midday rest, David, got out of bed and was walking on the roof of his palace. How many of you go, yup, I claim a palace in Jesus' name. I, I want a palace. I don't want a house, I want a palace. As he overlooked the city, he noticed a woman with unusual beauty taking a bath. This should have been the end of the story. Every wife said, amen. <laughs> Should have been the end of the story. Verse three, he sent someone to find out who she was. 
You saw she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Elam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Again, story should be over. Should be, should be it. Done. Verse four, then David sent a message to her, and when she came to the palace, he slept with her. This is like an episode of Love Island or whatever these shows are, you know what I mean? She had just completed her menstrual period and she returned home. Later, Bathsheba discovered that she was pregnant. It's like a high school moment now. She sends a message, hey David, I don't know how this happened, but I'm pregnant, you know? The Bible's wild, y'all. The Bible's scandalous. Point, point number two, thirsty, eager, tired, desperate decisions. Thirsty, tired, eager, desperate decisions. When you reach this place, when you are thirsty, eager, tired, and desperate, whatever you're facing will always feel bigger than what it really is. Always. What's, what's David feeling in this moment? I bet he feels lonely. You ever been tired? You're like, I just I want somebody next to me. You just want some emotional support. You want, want that feeling. I, I, I bet you David's just, he's just tired and he's lonely. And when, when you are in that moment, it feels so big. When you've been battling for years, it's amazing how the enemy will take something that you have been fighting for years and winning the victory in the battle, but you are so exhausted and you are so worn out. And in that moment, the enemy will make this little tiny feeling, let me say that again, feeling feel huge and overwhelming. So let's look through these verses. Let's, let's learn some stuff. Late one afternoon after his midday rest, David got out of bed and was walking on the roof of his palace as he looked over the city. Why is David looking over the city? Because he's looking for something to fill his soul. Right? Just like when we get tired, we want something that will make us happy. We want something that will fulfill us at the moment. And can I just speak some truth? I believe that we're in a season of the earth that we're living for the moment instead of living for eternity. We're living for the gratification of that moment and how you feel in that moment and what's going on in your soul at that moment and what you emotionally feel at that moment. David's looking for something. He's looking for something that will satisfy and fill his soul at the moment. Verse two again, it says this. He noticed a woman with unusual beauty taking a bath. What do we learn from that moment? Temptation always starts with the eyes. And the enemy will always bring temptation when you're tired. When you're most you know, you're, you're exhausted, you're worn out, you're mentally fatigued. That's when he'll bring it. And he is fighting us tooth and nail to bring images across the screen and put them in front of our eyes 
that are out there to tempt us and lead us away from God's best. It's Fadi. Verse 3. He sent someone out to find who she was, Bathsheba. Then David sent a message to get her. And when she came to the palace, he slept with her. Now, I have preached from this passage since I was a young minister, young youth pastor, okay? And I have always 100% preached it from what? David's perspective. The other day, I was, I was reading this, and the Lord goes, you know, there's a whole nother story here. It's called Bathsheba. She's a part of the story, but we just kind of throw her off to the side. She's just a side piece in the story. It's really about David and his failure and what he did. But here's the truth. Here's the real truth. Both David and Bathsheba were thirsty, eager, desperate in that moment for each other. Right? Because here's the truth. Bathsheba could have ran away just like Joseph did. We got free will. It's a great gift from God. You have a choice. Every day you're making choices. She could have said, you know what, no, 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 I'm all good. I got me a man, right? I have me a home. I have a life. I have something over here, and I don't need that. I'm not even entertaining this. I'm not even coming to the palace. But that wasn't the truth. The truth was that somewhere inside of her, she was tired. She was thirsty. She was desperate. That she maybe wanted to be seen with the king. Maybe she wanted to be connected to the king. Maybe she wanted something that was bigger than what she had currently. Why? Because the grass is always greener on the other side. We're always looking at somebody else's life. We're always looking at somebody else's story. We're always looking at somebody else's dream, thinking, wow, they got it better than we do. Just maybe because of the battles in her own life, she wanted to be seen. Do you ever think about that? Do you ever think that she saw that David was walking on top of the roof every day at a certain time? I mean, come on. Just maybe... She thought, I'm going to make sure that I'm seen in this provocative way at this time of day when King David's on top of his roof tomorrow. We all want to act like this stuff doesn't exist. This is existing in all of our lives all the time. Just maybe she wanted something to satisfy her soul. See, when we reach this place of desperation, we are now doing what? We are now reaching outside of God's plan for our life. We're reaching for something that God hasn't brought in our life. And maybe it's because God doesn't want it in our life. So he hasn't given it to us. Do you ever think about that? Do you ever think that sometimes when you're scrolling and you're seeing somebody's life and seeing somebody else's dream and their situation, you go, I wish that was mine. And the Lord goes, it's not yours because it's not my plan for you. I, that's not my plan for you. It's not my dream for you. See, when we get to this desperate state in our mind, in our soul, we then make choices that have lifelong effects that really, what, don't have the fingerprint of God on them. Ray, you can come on up. Years ago, 
when we were starting the church, I was desperate. Desperate. I had always been a part of churches that were big. When I was an intern, young in ministry, as part of this youth ministry, had 2,000 students, the church was like 3,000 people, went from there and, you know, I worked at Valley in Michigan and they, you know, grew to be a 5,000 member church and I was a part of their church and then I went to Living Word up in Dayton and they were around 2,000 people and I had always been a part of big churches and big ministries with lots of people. And when we first started the church, man, it was a good day if like 30 people showed up to church. It was a good day. Man, if we had 40 people, it was Revival Sunday, y'all, okay? I promise you. Man, we were about to take, me and Pastor Matt be running laps around the Edge Teen Center after a service, okay? Man, 40 people came to church. I was desperate. I wanted to grow the church. I, I, I wanted what I saw in my heart. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You see something in your heart? You see a dream in your heart, but you're not living it at the moment? Us desperate. So I decided I'm gonna call up a, a pastor friend and I'm asking him to go to get some coffee. Now, what's interesting about that is this. I never took the time to ask the Lord, Lord, what do you have to say about this season I'm in right now? It's amazing how we'll just skip over God when we're desperate. When we're desperate, we'll look to people for our answer. And my way I rationalize it was like, well, he's a pastor, he's been in my shoes, he's been down those roads, he loves Jesus, he has the Holy Spirit, he'll know what to tell me. As if he is God. But this is how we treat life. We're desperate, we're thirsty, we're eager, and we call up 10 different friends because we want somebody to tell us what to do. So I called him up, we went to coffee. He got coffee, I got a smoothie or something. I don't drink coffee, okay? And I'm sitting there, I'm like, what do I do? How do I grow this church? What's the plan? And he said, oh, I remember when you know, we were a young church and you know, we, we had this great big community outreach. We did this great big movie night. He's like, you know, we bought candy and popcorn and cotton candy and we had a movie and we invited the community and we had a couple hundred families come out and they had a good time and they kind of just filtered into the church from there. I was like, yeah, that sounds great. I never took two minutes to ask the Lord about it. I got into the car, I called Jess, and I was like, I know what we're gonna do. As if the Lord has spoken to me I said, we're going to do a community movie night, and it's going to be awesome, and we're going to gather all these families, and we're going to grow the church. And I, I went to the church, and I said, hey, we're going to have this great, great night, this big movie night. And so we bought popcorn, and we bought cotton candy, and we bought candy on candy on candy, and, and, and we sent out flyers, and we mailed out things, and we said we were having this movie night. This was the plan. I was desperate. 
I'll never forget that week. All week, it said it was going to rain on that day. Now, I'm going to tell you something I have, that I have faith for. Okay, I have faith for a lot of things, but I have faith for this. I have faith for weather. And you're all like, what in the world are you talking about? Okay. I have faith for weather. Last time we were at Disney, it was, I was looking at the radar. It was, it was like dead red thunderstorm. It said in 30 minutes, it was going to thunderstorm. And it was going to rain all night. I promise you. I looked to the clouds. I said, in Jesus' name, storm, I tell you to go north. Sure enough, it went north, and it never rained one moment. I have faith for weather. I, I look, you all can go on vacation and get rained out. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. God's giving me, right? God's giving me authority. I can use it any way I want. Any way I want. Use it for healing. Use it for faith. Right? So I have faith for weather. So that week, I'm like, people are calling me, and they're like, hey, we having this movie night. I'm like, yeah, we're having this movie night. What are you talking about? They're like, it's supposed to, like, storm that day. I'm like, no, 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 I got faith for weather, right? Like, it ain't going to storm. I'm praying all week, Lord, I thank you in the name of Jesus. This storm isn't going to happen. We're, we're going to be dry as a bone. It's going to be good. The day comes. The morning, it is beautiful. I promise you, it's sunny. I'm like, yes, gorgeous day. We're gonna reach our community. Later in the afternoon, right when we were supposed to start setting up, I promise you, it stormed and it rained like you were in a hurricane. The parking lots were flooded. The streets were flooded. I remember people literally saying to me, I've never seen it rain so hard in Cincinnati in all of my life and it rained all day and I was mad and I was mad with God right and I went to the Lord I said Lord what is going on he said that wasn't my plan that was your plan I don't bless your plans I bless my plans you made that plan because you were desperate and you didn't want to walk in faith and trust me in the season that I know the plan, I know exactly what I'm doing, I will do how it, however I want to do it, I'll bring people when I want to bring people when you're ready to receive more people. And I was like, I'm sorry, God. And I learned a lesson that day. I made a really bad choice out of what? Desperation. I made a desperate choice, not a, not a God choice. Let me read you this verse. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, it says this. So don't get tired. Look at your neighbor say tired. Look at your neighbor say tired. Don't get tired of doing good. What is the word saying? Don't get tired of trusting God. Don't get tired of living in faith. Don't get tired of seeking God's word. Don't get tired of praying. Don't get tired of worshiping. Don't get tired. Don't get tired in the battle. It says this. Tired of doing what? What is good? What is right? 
said, don't get tired of being righteous. Don't get tired in this season in the battlefield. Don't get tired. Don't get overwhelmed. Don't throw in the towel. Don't give up on God. Trust in faith. Hold your ground. Stand on the Word of God. Quote the Word of God. Speak out life. Don't get tired. Says what? At the right time, not your time, not your plan, not your moment. I battle this all the time, all the time. God goes, in my time, in my plan, in my heart, if you won't give up, if you'll keep trusting, if you'll keep walking in faith, if you'll keep worshiping me, if you'll stay steady and not be moved by your emotions, not be moved by what you feel is desperate in your soul, if you'll stand your ground at the right time, I promise you a harvest, not a blessing, right? When I pray out this, this verse, this is what I remind God all the time. You said not a blessing, you said a harvest. See, when, when, when it comes time to harvest, when the farmer harvests, he's not harvesting one crop. He's harvesting the whole entire field. So when I go, I go, God, I thank you that I will be faithful and I will trust you. And in the right season and time, I will reap a harvest of your blessing, of your favor, of your goodness. Don't get tired. Don't let, a, don't let your emotions run you. Don't get desperate and walk out of God's plan that he has for your life. Psalms 30, verse five. For his anger only lasts a moment. Can we give an amen to that? You know why God's anger only lasts a moment? Because he poured out all his wrath, all of his anger upon Jesus when he was on the cross. When Jesus went to the cross, all of God's anger, all of God's punishment that he had for you went to Jesus. Now you live in grace because of what Jesus accomplished on the cross. God's not angry. God's not frustrated at you. God's not disappointed with you today. God is madly in love with you and he's got great dreams and great plans for you and your spouse and your children and your home and your finances. Says, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Says, weeping will last through the night. But what happens? Joy comes in the morning in Jesus' name. I know. I love you. What do you need to do sometimes when you're emotional? What do you need to do sometimes when you're desperate? What do you need to do sometimes when you feel overwhelmed? What do you need to do sometimes when the world is crashing in on you? The thing you need to do is you need to pray and then go to bed. Pray and go to bed. You gotta learn sometimes. I gotta push past what I feel. I gotta push past my emotion. I gotta push past this moment. Listen, listen, my job, I am a co-leader, a co-shepherd with Jesus and the Holy Spirit. I am not God, I am not the Holy Spirit, but my job as a co-leader and shepherd is to help you grow, to grow your faith, to grow your trust, 
to grow in the things of God so that you can live out the plans that God has for you. The best thing you can do is to go, God, I know in this moment I am weeping. I know in this moment I am mourning. I know in this moment life doesn't make sense. I know in this moment I want to wild out in my emotions. But God, I trust you. I trust your word. I trust your plan. And I believe that in the morning there is joy for me in the morning. I believe in the next season there is joy for me in the next season. I believe in the next season there is a harvest for me. God, I trust you more than I trust myself. Amen? Why don't you stand up this morning? Raise your hand real high. You go, I'm weary. I'm weary. I got my hand. I'm weary. I've been fighting. I've been battling. All you need is the grace of God. A touch from heaven. Amen. If you're if you're next to your spouse, grab your spouse's hand. If you're next to your kids, grab your kids' hands. We're gonna believe in faith and trust that the Holy Spirit's gonna strengthen you, empower you, fill you with his grace and his strength. Father, we thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit right now. And I release grace, grace, grace to their thoughts, grace to their emotions, grace to their physical body. Grace, grace, grace. We speak grace to the battles they're facing. We speak grace to their marriage. We speak grace to their finances. We speak grace to their children. We speak grace to the dreams you have. We speak grace. We declare in the name of Jesus that the people of Elevate Church are the head and not the tail. We declare that the people of Elevate Church are blessed to be a blessing. We declare that the favor of God surrounds and shields the people of Elevate Church. We declare that even though they walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that our God, our shepherd, our friend, our source, our resource is with us, leading us, guiding us, directing us. We declare that this year, this season is blessed. We declare that the people of Elevate Church will not make decisions out of desperation, but they will make decisions out of the heart of God. They will make choices out of His wisdom and His grace. Come on, if that's you, say, I receive that. Come on, say, I receive that today. I believe that today. I am led by the Holy Spirit, not my emotions, not desperation. God, we love you. We worship you. We bless you. If you're in here, you've never made Jesus the Lord of your your life. Right now is the moment. I can feel him in the room. He's He's been working on your heart all service. He loves you. He's for you. He's not against you. The word says all we have to do is pray a simple prayer. Invite him into a relationship in in our life with him. So we're going to pray this prayer together as a church. Say, Father, I choose today to put my hope and my faith in Jesus Christ and him alone. I believe that he died for me, but that he rose victoriously three days later. I love you. I trust you. I give you my life in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Can we get real loud for everybody that prayed that prayer? Can we get real loud for God's word? Can we get real loud for 23? Come on.